Give Jesus all the praise this morning. Come on. You can do better than that. I know you're away. It's, listen, it's 9 o'clock. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold. My gorgeous wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this church together. We are a team, and uh, we love, love doing what we get to do, just following God and obeying Him. Uh, to begin, uh, before my explanation on why there's two people on stage right now, um, I've got two quick announcements. One is today is small group Sunday. Make sure that you um, go to refugemain.church slash groups and take a look at all of this semester's groups. Um, or if you have questions, you can go by uh, our small groups booth and, um, or banner, and uh, we've got someone there that's going to answer all your questions about small groups this semester. Listen, summer small groups are the best small groups because um, we get to enjoy outdoors, right? We get to enjoy outdoors together because uh, we ain't doing that in February. Come on, somebody, right? Um, so um, check out small groups. That's uh, number one. Number two. This one is really excited, and it was not included in our Refuge News this morning, um, but it's something that we are doing as a church that I am so pumped for. Okay, so how many of you remember my friend Mark Malding that was here in April? Everybody remember Mark Malding? So everybody remember the name of his book is God's Best Kept Secret. One of the things that um, we love or that was kind of frustrating was we went, like when I went to buy that book, like any book, I first go to Audible, right? You know what Audible is? Where you can listen to books instead of read them. That's how I like to roll sometimes. Anybody with me? Are you with me this morning? All right, all right. So, um, but it wasn't available. I don't know if any of you went to go buy it on Audible. It wasn't available. And the reason it wasn't available is because Mark hadn't been able to record the reading of his book. And so, um, we had some, some uh, people in our church that was like, hey, I noticed it's not available on Audible. What could we do to help him get that on Audible? And, um, and I said, well, um, we, could, we could pay for it because it costs money to do that. And so this morning, I'm happy to announce that we are taking up a special collection. It's only going to cost $2,600. That's it. $2,600, that's all it would take to get available on Audible, and then people can, can buy it and, um, and be able to get it, and it'll be downloadable, and you can listen to it anytime. And, um, and so we're starting a collection this morning. We call it the Audio Book Fund. It is, uh, you can go to refugemain.church slash give, and you can select that purpose, in our, uh, in our, and you can give towards the $2,600 to, to pay for that. Um, I've already received an, a, a good donation towards that this morning, and um, we're just excited to do that. Now, what's cool about that announcement is that it actually piggybacks on my introduction to my good friend, Brian Shippey, who is here to communicate God's word with us this morning. So I thought about everything I could say about Brian this morning, but then I figured he's probably going to say it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to bore you with with uh, double uh, duty on what uh, on who Brian is. But um, Brian, his family moved to Framingham, Massachusetts, in 2017 to plant Banner Hill Church. Brian and his five kids and his wife. So. 
Um, you know there's an extra anointing on this man because you have five children. I can name them all, but I have a feeling you're going to tell people who they are, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but Brian is my best friend in ministry. We... You confirm that? Yeah. I just wanted them to know that you weren't making that up. Well, so here's what's... what's, what's What's, uh, what's funny about that is, like, you confirmed it, and I felt it in my spirit, and I just started to tear up a little bit, and I'm like, I got to get through this announcement so you can preach. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, my friend, my twin, Brian Shippey. Wow. It's an honor to be here. Um, hey, thank you to the Harold family, too. Um, what an incredible leadership family that you have here to lead, um, to be a servant leader in this family. Um, Man, that's good stuff. I want to talk about your family today, but before that, I do want to talk about my insanity. Um, So here's a picture of my family. I am married, by the way, it's about to be 20 years to my high school sweetheart. Yeah. I was 15 and she was 14 when we met. And uh, so together, almost 30 years, married for almost 20. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we have five children. Here, is, here they are. Uh, the oldest is Scarlett. Uh, her nickname is Scar. Pretty easy. Uh, she's now beginning to drive. So you can pray for me uh, because I don't want to die behind the wheel of my daughter. The next one is my son, Carter, a.k.a. C-Man. And he's here with me, so that was cool that he got to travel back. Uh, The middle child uh, to your right there in uh, the plaid is Kirby. We call her Curbs Alerb. She hates it. So uh, that I hope she's not listening. Then you got Winnie, uh, a.k.a. Chicken, because of Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. And the youngest one is Polly, who we call Paul's to the wall, because <laughs> her nickname fits her. She, she, do you have, how many parents do we have in here? Okay. You all know right now, you can think of the name of the child that because you have them, you need Jesus. <laughs> Right? That's pulse to the wall for us. All right? And so, again, like Adam said, uh, what a privilege it was to come back up. Uh, The Lord allowed us to transition our church to a local pastor because God had plans for our family to go back to Houston, Texas. Uh, We're we're now serving on uh, on a church that really I began my ministry in. So really cool how sometimes God will come full circle. But I want to tell someone today, if God hasn't come full circle in your life, it's because that he's just not done working. And by the way, if you have come full circle, he has another circle to take you on. Right? And so I'm just, I'm just I get to be a testimony today of God coming full circle and things. And, uh, and I, believe, I believe it for you that uh, you're going you're gonna to see that. Here's something I love about the name of your church, The Refuge. Uh, I just kind of wrote out what I would say your, uh, what, what this family does. And I'm sure Pastor Adam has a way better way of saying this. But I believe 
that this is a local family of God's children who have been rescued, adopted, and equipped. I'm going to say that again. It's a local family of God's children who have been rescued, adopted, and equipped to journey with those who need to be rescued, who need a family, and who need life purpose. This is what the refuge is. You are a people. Do you wake up this morning who are rescued? I wonder, did you wake up this morning and say, I'm rescued? Did you wake up this morning and say, I'm adopted? Did you wake up this morning and say, I am equipped, not because Pastor Adam gave me everything I needed to do to be equipped. No, you're equipped because God of the universe lives in you, right? <laughs> I just got to be reminded sometimes that that's what I have when I wake up, but there are people who wake up that don't have that. And so a question that I want I mean, I, I had so many different things that I was going to uh, be able to, to talk to you about. And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to answer for you today. It's this question. How does the refuge help the hopeless? How does the refuge, which by the way, if you did not know this, Jesus is the refuge. This building cannot help people. But the people in the building who carry Jesus can help people. How does the refuge help the hopeless? I want you to know that you don't have to wait for people to show up to the refuge to help them. By the way, if you came today for the very first time, if this is your second or third and you're still testing the water out, thank you for, for joining us here. But there are a lot of people who woke up today and didn't come here. They woke up without a purpose. They woke up feeling helpless. And so what do we do? Here's what I believe we can do. We have to believe that we can take the refuge to people. That we can take the refuge to people. Do you know that God's been on the move? You open the Bible in Genesis, you read all the way to Revelation, God's been on the move. He, he has picked specific places for specific people, a.k.a. Moses and the burning bush. He has done a special place for his special people, a.k.a. the holies of holy or mountaintops. He has secured places for his secure people, a.k.a. temples. He's moved and stayed to guide his people. He has also guided his people to move and stay. You guys with me? I just said a lot there. I just wanted to prove that God is on the move, and I've always thought, could you imagine if how God would move through a person and a priest, which would become Jesus, what if his people believed that Jesus really lived in them and they could go on the move? Could they believe that they had become the person and the priest? Look, you just, if you don't know how God moves... Just open his word. The thing is, is there's something that we're always going to have, the tension that we're always going to face is, do you believe that the person, the only person who could do it, and the only great priest that could do it was Jesus, and he lives in you? Which is why he says, you're a masterpiece, you're an ambassador, and you're a royal priesthood. You get to go on a move. That Jesus died on a cross to cover the deepest of, of sins and the widest of sins. I love the picture of the cross. It's about depth and width. Why? So he could connect with people and look at them and sit down at their table. I want you to hear me say this. Jesus loved to sit 
at the table with people who were broken. Jesus loved to be the refuge, and he took the refuge to the brokenness of people's table. All right. So how do we do this? I hope you're going, how do I do this? Well, we're going to look at a story. Luke 24. Luke 24. We have, we're going to look at 20 verses today. I know I said 20, and I'm going to try to go quick. 20 verses. I know typically Adam's probably doing one or two verses. <laughs> 20 verses. You might be going, this is great. Adam does like 40. All right. 20 verses. We're going to walk through Luke chapter 24, 13 through 33. And this, listen, it's called the road to Emmaus. And you may have read this story, but I want you, I, I, look, my prayer is the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see ourselves and see someone else that God has put in our lives so that we could go on a journey with people and sit at their table of brokenness. Okay, let's go. Before I read this, I'm just gonna ask God to do what only he could do, to open our eyes. So God, we, we stop and we just for three seconds say, help us, Holy Spirit, you can equip and you can unpack and you can bring clarity to your word, and I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. It says this, that same day, two of Jesus' followers, followers were walking to the village Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Say from. From, from right? Where they are coming from matters. Now, here's the landscape of why it says that same day. Because God wants you to know that a very same day and a very same hour, people are doing very different things. Let me tell you what happened this day. Jesus just got put on the cross to die. And then you have Mary and Mary that were faithfully walking together because Jesus is now in a tomb and everything's sad and everything is completely opposite of what we thought was going to happen. Is that anybody in the room? Where you decided to tell God how he should be God? And it makes you sad when he's not. Mary and Mary were walking faithfully to the tomb just to honor Jesus. I believe there are people here today that are sad but are faithfully walking with somebody to honor Jesus. I also believe we have some Peters. You like running toward Jesus. And you're looking at all the people that you pass. And you're excited that you're faster than everybody. I think Peter thought he was fast because he, he won to the, to the grave. He was running. While all this is happening, guys, all this is happening. People walking faithfully with Jesus, people running toward Jesus. At the very same time, there were two followers of Jesus walking away from Jesus. I want you to catch this because I believe in the room today there are people that fall into these three categories. Like you're faithfully walking, you're kind of moving slow, and oh, there's people that are running, they're all over it. At the same time, there are people walking away because they're broken. And I can prove that because Emmaus was a place away from Jerusalem, but you gotta know what Jerusalem was. Jerusalem was the gathering of God's people. In that moment, that's what Jerusalem was. And so in Ezekiel, in John, it talks about the new Jerusalem. What's the new Jerusalem? It's a place where all of God's people, the capital C, will come together and worship God forever. Like that's, a, that's pretty cool. 
So when it talks about Jerusalem in the Bible, this was just the gathering of God's people. And what were they doing? They were going in the opposite direction. Come on, somebody, like you haven't been there before. Where something didn't happen the way you wanted, and maybe you were faithfully walking with someone, maybe you were sprinting toward Jesus, but there's a moment in your life where something happens, and all of a sudden, you're walking the opposite way than the people of God. Seven miles was not a length. It was a principle. When you see the number seven, it's a principle. See, when you are walking with someone, I don't care how long they decide and how far they want to walk away from the church. It's not about a number. It's about a principle. You see, many people were attracted to Jesus, but few accepted him. And so there's a moment because we're sometimes just attracted to Jesus and we don't accept Jesus. There's moments where our expectations don't get met and we're walking away. Two followers of Jesus were walking away sad. Two people that didn't fully get it were walking away sad. And I wonder what happens today if we know people who are walking away sad because something happened that we just watch them walk. Verse 14. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, this is important because I can tell you what people do. Hurt people that talk are looking for help. Sometimes, right, we're like, oh, my gosh. These people are talking about all these things and they're just getting it all wrong and they're and they're and they're they're just they're being so prideful. They're just so loud about how God didn't meet their. Let me tell you, people who are talking want help. And they were doing that. They were walking away because whether it is you are emotionally hurt or physically hurt or spiritually hurt, what happens is. You have to find someone or something to blame, to take the blame to. And let me tell you, most of the time, God gets the blame for even a good thing with the wrong expectation. The church didn't do what I wanted them to do. They didn't sing the song I wanted. Adam didn't preach the message that I want. They, just, they don't have the things that I God didn't do the things. That he, so I walk away, and something really good with the wrong expectation takes the blame of hurt that you have. Because not a full understanding of what is going on in your life. Two people walking around sad. At the same time, people walking toward Jesus, people running toward Jesus. I just keep putting a blame. Where am I at in this story? And by the way, if you're like me, I'm like all three all the time. I'm just putting myself in this story. It's so good. Verse 15, as they walked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with him. So how does the refuge help the hopeless? Number one, I'm going to give you five things, by the way. And because your disciples, disciples are learners, they take notes. I'm expecting that you're going to write these five things down. Number one, how do I... Help the hopeless as the refuge. I actually, ready? Number one, I walk with them. I walk with them. I go on a journey with them. 
Jesus joined them in their journey of brokenness and hurt and confusion and doubt and fear and loneliness. Someone in this room, if you don't have a physical person, I'm gonna tell you, Jesus is after you, even though you're walking in the direction he doesn't want you to go. And the greatest thing that we can do to imitate Jesus is to walk with people, even if they are walking in the opposite direction that we want them to go. But a lot of times we try to get in front of them and tell them to stop because we would rather be God than serve God. And Jesus just shows up. Now I'm gonna give this line, it's my favorite line. You'll see it throughout the rest of this text. Not one time does Jesus stop them and say, you're going the wrong way. He just walks with them. He doesn't say their feelings are wrong. (laughs) I've failed so many times in this, wanting to tell someone that their feelings are wrong. Don't you dare. What they feel is what they feel. And what you get to say is, look, I'm going to walk with you. And praise God if you've never had that, Jesus is walking with you. And you're either here today because someone actually is walking with you or you've just felt God pulling you to himself. Verse 16, we're going quick, but I hope you're just getting some good nuggets here. Verse 16, but God kept them from recognizing him. This is a really hard verse in this passage. God kept them from recognizing him. Why would God keep people from recognizing Jesus if they were sad that Jesus was dead? Have you ever asked that question? It's a fair question. You should read things in the Bible and say, this seems wrong. If you don't, you're not reading it. If you're not texting someone in the church that you're reading hard things in the Bible, you're not reading it. It's hard. I'm gonna give you one tip. When you read something that's really hard to understand, I want you to say this, God's a really good dad. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that even though I don't understand this, it's really good. <laughs> Can you imagine if we start doing that? So why would God keep them from recognizing him? Because God needed these people that were broken and had a wrong view of Jesus to walk with Jesus, to understand the truth of Jesus so that they could get a foundation. And so when they believed, they would be on the right place to be able to serve the church. Yeah. Like There's a reason that he needed them to not see Jesus yet. You know why? They've already seen him and they got it wrong. Right. So if they just saw him again, You guys see what I'm saying? Listen, blindness isn't a thing that's rare in the Bible. It's funny that we don't question that Paul was blinded. Come on, somebody. Paul got blinded. We're like, he deserved it. (laughs) Killing Christians, be blind for three days. You know why he was blind for three days? Because he fasted and sat and prayed for 36 hours without seeing so that God could download something to him so that he could immediately begin working for him. Isn't that crazy? We don't question blindness for people we don't like. (laughs) But the greatest thing that God can do sometimes is to have us in a place where maybe we can't see if we would trust that maybe in that moment, God's downloading something to me. That's so good. That's so good. Not because I said it. it just got, dude, God's words. So, it blows. I read it and I'm like, God, so good. 
All right, verse 17, we're going to keep going, okay? Because I got to get through some more, okay? All right, here's what it says next. So he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk? And they stopped short and sadness was written all over their faces. So how does the refuge help the hopeless? Number two, ask questions. Show up and ask questions. Show up and ask questions. Most of the time we don't ask questions because we are afraid of what they're going to say. Jesus didn't care what they are going to say, but he needed them to say it. And this is the way God has been working from the very beginning of time. When Adam and Eve, they hid, what did God say? <laughs> Come out! No, he's like, where are you? Where are you? Does that mean because God doesn't know all things? No, he knows all things. This is what he knows. He needs you to hear what you're feeling. That's a counseling tip, by the way. <laughs> Most of the time, the counselors are like, let's just sit here in silence, and whatever you're feeling, we're good. No. He said, I need you to articulate what you're feeling so that we can actually begin to work through it. Don't be scared of what people think about God. Man, listen. Listen and say, man, that's real. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can say two statements, it will change your journey with people. That's real, and I'm sorry. Jesus exposed their hurt and fear without telling them their hurt and their fear. Can you imagine if we did that? I mean, this is like for parenting, too. Right? Carter, why haven't you cleaned your room? Oh, I already know why. You're playing video games all day long. No, I'm just Let's not play video games. I know. Let's, Dad, I didn't clean it because I have other priorities. Let's talk about those priorities. Right? Listen, we like to tell people things because we like to play God. Let me tell you how it works. He wants you to ask questions so God can change your life while he's changing theirs. I think we get confused. Most of the time, we don't want to lead people to Jesus because we think it's all on us. No, he wants you to lead people to Jesus because he wants to lead you to Jesus. <laughs> so verse 18 says, then Cleopas, I like it that he got named and the other guy didn't. <laughs> he said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem, Jesus, who hasn't heard about all the things that has happened there the last few days. Jesus knew by asking questions, they could condemn him and he didn't care. They knew that he could ask a question and he'd laugh at them, but he didn't care. He was trying to expose the reality of what was inside. Stop playing Jesus and let Jesus pull out the things that you can actually begin to help them with, verse 19. Then Jesus said, what things? There's the dang question again. Jesus knows why they're hurt. People always say, why well, I gotta pray if God already knows. I hope he already answered that question right here because he needs you to say it out loud to him so he can begin to unpack that in you. 
Sometimes the pain that you feel is just surface to something deeper. And that's what Jesus brilliantly did. Just walk and ask questions and this might happen the rest of verse 19. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a circle, a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, circle it. I think Jesus is going, really? <laughs> Just a prophet? Just a mighty teacher? That's it? He needed them to say it. Verse 20, but our leading priests and other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. I think Jesus is going, so you think I'm powerless? You think they had more power to kill me? Right? Can you read that again. They handed him over. Listen, we say that all the time. We give ourselves too much power. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But they needed him to say it out loud. They need to say it. Verse 21. We had hoped he was the Messiah, which means to save. Ready? Who had come to rescue, circle it, Israel. And this all happened three days ago. Why in the world they say, why they say Israel? Because they believed Jesus' only job was to save them physically. And I need someone in the room to hear this. Jesus is not your solution to life, to make your life look the way you want it to look. Jesus' solution to your life is to save you spiritually from what we all deserve. And what he'll do in that is change your perspective in the same life you're gonna go back to when you leave this place. Will Jesus change things in your life? Yep, but he also may not. Isn't that unbelievable? They just saw Jesus, and I think that's real. I think there are a lot of people walking away from the church today because they just thought Jesus was supposed to change something in their life versus save them from the thing that's killing them and give them new perspective in the world they live in. And so number three, how does the refuge help the hopeless? Number three, actively listen. When I say actively listen, come on somebody, can we put our cell phones down for a minute when we're walking with somebody? Can we put time in our calendar? Can we calendar it? Can your alarm go off to pray for people at specific times? Can, can we just make some time for some people who are hopeless because they're talking about it? Now, people that aren't talking about it, there's not much we can do. But when they're talking about it, man, I think we should do everything that we can to actively listen, to lean into the wrong expectations. God created a hope solution. And the problem is man also makes a hope solution. And a lot of times we have to help them understand. I think that's a man's solution. All right. The thing that you want to see in your life, that's a man's solution. God's solution is he gave you Jesus to die for you 
to set you free, to have Jesus live in you and take the perspectives that you're in and begin to reveal the heart of God in that place. Like that's what he wants you to do. And what happens, like the next three verses, I'm gonna show you what happens, what the church does by accident, okay? And Adam, I was even questioning, should I preach these three texts? And I thought if I didn't preach these three texts, you'd be mad at me. So I'm gonna preach them. But this is for me as a pastor, too, of a local church. Let me tell you what we do. Verse 22 through 24. So some of the women, this is them, by the way. Some of the women from the group, of the, um, the group from our group of his followers were at the tomb early in the morning, and they came back with an amazing report. Here's what we think. The church can have amazing reports, and people run to church. Let's just keep having amazing reports so that people come. Right. Look, maybe you're here because of that. Praise God. Right. But you know what? He missed out on helping someone else sanctify because they didn't get to walk with you. Right? But God is so good you're here. Right. Right? Then he goes, ready? They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. This is crazy. This is what they're saying. They're walking away sad and they're going, yeah, angels, we're talking to people. You know what we do in church? If we can, if we can create something really, really supernatural, they'll run to us. Verse 24, some of the men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. We think physical reports, supernatural reports, and confirmed reports is what people need to come to church. So here's what we do. We put that weight on our pastors, and we say, you better have a great report to share. You better confirm something. It, supernaturally, something better show up because my lost friend needs to come to church. What they need is Jesus and you have him. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I just, as wild, right, Adam. Angels are talking to Mary. His body's gone. You would think, his body's gone. Let's go look. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. When you're hurt and broken, I need someone to hear this, you've already made in your mind where you want to walk, and you don't care what happens behind you. Yeah. You're going to walk to the place that you've made up in your mind. This is why I love, he says, seven miles to Emmaus. Emmaus, I've looked it up. I've tried to read commentary. Like, there's nothing special about Emmaus. It was just a place away from Jerusalem. <laughs> it was just a place away from Jerusalem. And even though they heard some really great things were happening, they didn't run back. Is, has anybody said yet, gosh, it is so awesome that Jesus walked with them. But he doesn't just stop there. It goes on. Verse twenty. Five. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, 
you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets, all, all the, all, all, you find it hard to believe all that the prophets had wrote in scripture. Now, I'm going to tell you what I don't give you support to do. Don't walk up to people and say, you're foolish. See, we, this is the first line that, you, that we read that you were like, finally. <laughs> See, foolishness is different than, than, than the way we use it today. We say foolish as mean like you're an airhead. You, you, have, you, are, you are not wise. You, are you even thinking? Let me tell you, the reality of foolishness used in the biblical terms meant you're so full of knowledge, you've made no room for Jesus. This is what Jesus just said to them. The reason you're not getting me is because you're not letting me in. But he didn't run. He kept walking with them. Like Mary and Joseph did. As they sought to find a room for Jesus, they were okay to birth him in a barn. And there's many people, I believe, right now that won't let Jesus in because you're trying to make a clean room for him. All he wants is a barn. Will we make any room? Jesus is going to walk with you until you do because he loves you. And then he does what we failed to do. He says, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would suffer all these things before entering his glory? Verse 27, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. How does the refuge help the hopeless? Share Jesus. But don't do that first. This is the fourth thing that he did. He walked, and it didn't matter how far. He asked questions. He listened, and then he said, I want to take you, by the way, Jesus, to the Old Testament because it's about me. The entire Bible is about Jesus, right? Colossians 1, the secret to everything is Jesus in you. The entire Bible sets up that Jesus came to live in you. Everything's about Jesus, but when we see the Bible, here's what we say. Oh, that's Pastor Adam's job. It's his job for the amount of time that he preaches to you on Sunday. But who's preaching to your family and your neighbors and your coworkers and your kids the other 6.9 days during the week? Jesus just shared the scripture. Can we read the Bible together? Can I show you where Jesus is here? Can I, can I show you 
you ought to be able to share your story and show Jesus in scripture with everybody around you. So that's just a challenge. You might need to write that. That's my one challenge. Can I share my story? And by the way, you need to learn how to do it in one minute and three minutes. I say one and three, because if you get good at really one, you'll be so engaging to listen for three. But if you go a second after three, you've already lost them. <laughs> how did Jesus change your life and how can you show him in the Bible? Right? Share Jesus. Okay, we're almost done. We're getting to the end of the journey. Verse 28. Five more verses. Are you guys with me? Okay. He says, by this time they were nearing Emmaus, which is the place that they wanted to go anyways. They were nearing the end of their journey and Jesus acted as if he were going on. I love this because Jesus is like, we spend too much time inviting ourselves into people's lives versus walking with them and letting them invite them into our life. Right? Can you imagine if you were to walk with someone so well, they were inviting you into their life? <laughs> I love this. Jesus acted there going on, verse 29. But they begged him. They begged him. How do you know you're doing this right? Because people are begging you to be in their life. Even people that don't show up on Sundays, they're begging for you to be in their life. Your kids that don't believe are begging for you to be in their life. Your coworkers, even though you believe what they don't believe, they're beg they just go, there's something about you. It is the greatest compliment you can get as a Christ follower is for those that don't follow Jesus want to hang with you. So Jesus did as a gentleman would do. He went inside their home of brokenness and he sat at their table of brokenness. Which Jesus already did it, right? He did it before he came out of the grave. Anybody remember Matthew? Matthew, follow me. Where we're gonna go? We're gonna have a party at my house, Jesus. He's like, sweet. Let's go sit down with everyone that the culture hates. Because that's where I can find a commonality and look at them and say, God has a solution to heal you. <laughs> so they sat down, they took bread and they blessed it. He gave it to them. Verse 31, my favorite verse. And suddenly, suddenly, another way is supernaturally. Another way is a way that you might not see it coming. Suddenly, their eyes were open. They recognized him. Oh, this makes me. And at that moment, he disappeared. You may go, that just seems wrong again. <laughs> Listen, this is Jesus giving us a showcase, right, of, of, of the reality. This is, see, Jesus was in physical form in this moment. The reason he could go is because he knows when you truly encounter Jesus, you can actually do it apart from a physical person. Because too many times we put too much weight on the physical person. Like I can only know Jesus if Pastor Adam stays here forever. I want him to, right? I love, I love the story of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. He was baptized, came by the water. It says Philip was gone in the Ethiopian eunuch rejoiced. 
Why, that Philip left? No, because he encountered Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, I love, we need community, but we make community before Jesus instead of Jesus takes me to the community. Like, this is so important. Their eyes were opened. So the fifth thing, as I land the plane, how does the refuge help the hopeless be available? Be available. Walk with them for as long as it takes for you to sit at their table of brokenness. Because when they sit at that table and they see you sitting there, that is the best chance that they're finally going to see Jesus. It is not a great message. It is not supernatural things happening. The greatest chance that people have that you love that are broken without Jesus is to sit at their table of brokenness and be Jesus. And you're like, but that's not what I like. And I would say me either. It's hard. It's hard. But you have to be available. Verse 32, as we close. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked along the road and explained the scriptures to us? Now, this is really important because this is what Jesus wants you to know here. It says their hearts were burning the entire time, but not one time did they tell Jesus their hearts were burning. You know why many of us stop walking with people? Because they haven't told you yet the impact you've made in their life, so you think you're making no impact. She's like, I'm done. They're not, uh, nothing's happening. Well, oh, because you can see seeds being planted in the soil. That's the vision you have. If you have, please come to my house and help me plant plants. Yes. <laughs> Their hearts were burning and they didn't say anything. You know how they, you, let me tell you, if you want to know how people's hearts are burning, because they just invite themselves to be in your life. And just be okay with that. Yeah. Even if they're not ready yet. Yeah. You're planting seeds, you're planting seeds, you're planting seeds. Because when they encounter Jesus, here it is. And within the hour, I want you to say it with me. And within the hour. No, seriously, here we go. One more time. They were on their way back to Jerusalem. They just traveled for how long? <laughs> This is, this is mind-blowing to me, Adam. You're telling me that if I just walk with people and share my story about how Jesus encountered my life and show them Jesus in the Bible, that when they actually encounter Jesus, I don't have to beg them to come to church. Yep. Right. Someone needs to hear this today. We've made, in the Western church, Church, the product, and Jesus, the byproduct. The way Jesus shows us, ready? Jesus is the product. And the church is the byproduct. And when you encounter Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is a communal God. He has to be with people. You will, you will be miserable as a Christ follower alone. Within the hour, see, we're, we're trying to bring people here because we're making this the product. But can you imagine if we just say, look, we're just following Jesus. And we, look, if you don't want to come to church with me, that's fine. Where are you going after? Where are you eating lunch? Where do you hang out during the week? How can I hang with you? I want to walk with you. 
I love you. I love you if you don't show up at my nine o'clock service. I love you if you don't show up at 11 o'clock. I love you. Within the hour, they headed back to Jerusalem, and they found the 11 disciples and the others who gathered with them. They found the, gra- the gathering. They found the community. Can you imagine as I'm done? Could you imagine if the refuge left the building? What would happen to this city? That's my plea. What if Jesus left the church building and created journeys with people so that Jesus can change their life and it can change the person you're walking with? God, I love you. This was a lot. So I pray that you take one thing, two things, three things, God, and just give an opportunity for someone to respond to you. That maybe that there's someone here today that never has been presented the gospel of Jesus. We're just hanging on to half Jesus and not whole Jesus. Jesus loves me enough to die for my sin and give me new life and new perspective and to send me on a mission with other people that's life on purpose. God, I pray that happens. And I pray for those that are following Jesus, there's a new perspective given of this place. So I just pray in Jesus' name, the only name that can change, the only name that can move, and the only name that it can, can, it can counter everyone listening right now. And to accept this whisper, God loves you. And he loves those around you. Amen. Did you enjoy? Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. couple things. Number one, um, do you understand why I love walking through God's Word, Brian? Do you also understand why when I started meeting with him, I started saying, stop inviting your friends? church and start inviting them into a relationship with Jesus that's what we all need and that's what he wants from us is a relationship so one question for you today and then I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a song and we'll be dismissed What is it that God is wanting you to say to him out loud today? And why wouldn't you say it out loud to him? Like, that's literally the easiest thing 
whatever it is that we have on our heart to say to him out loud, you know what? Big surprise. He can handle it. How do you know what it is that you need to say to him? Simple. What are you feeling? It might be, God, why? God, how? God, what are you doing? promise you he has an answer and how amazing would it be if as a church we were to come alongside people and we would go up to them and we would say what did you say to God today what was it that God wanted you to say out loud to him. And we ask people that question and then they say, you know, I just had to ask him, why would you do this, God? As followers of Jesus, the scripture is clear. You have the mind of Christ. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, whatever it is that friend says to you that they had to say out loud, you can look at them and you can say, I've got an answer for that. Let me show you in God's word. This is a journey. Maybe you're here and you just have no idea what your next step is. Our doors are gonna be open on my right, your left. Go through there. Talk with my friend Dave, talk with the prayer team. They wanna pray with you, whatever it is that you're going through. But I'm here to tell you, my favorite line in Brian's message today was all God wants is a barn. Woo. He doesn't need a clean house. He doesn't need you to get your stuff in order, your crap together. He doesn't need you to do any of that. He just wants a barn where the crap already exists. And you know what he does in that barn? He cleans it up. If you need Jesus in your life, I just want to lead you in a prayer. Repeat it after me, but please understand this. This prayer has sent so many people to hell because what it does, if you just say the word and don't mean it, it gives you a false sense that everything's going to be okay, that you have a relationship with God. You have to desire to be with him. want to be with him and you mean it say God I'm tired of cleaning up my life would you clean it up for me as I give you the broom and I tell you 
have your way in me. Come into my life and walk alongside of me. Change me. Give me new identity in Jesus. Make me new. Come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? I'm glad half the room is glad you came to church today. Let's sing another song, and please don't hesitate. Go to our Next Steps room. Go to small group uh, booth and ask questions about small groups. Get connected today. We love you.